He is good. He is good, good, good. He's good, good. He's good, good, good. He's good. <sighs> hey, uh, man, wow, what a sweet presence this morning. Just too much, too much. It's all good. Praise the Lord. February 22nd, we're starting a fast. We do this every year. Well, we've done this for the past few years since uh, 2020, I think, was the first year we did it. And uh, we do a 40-day fast. You sign up for emails. We email you every day starting on February 22nd, and you'll get an email every single day up until Palm Sunday. And we encourage you to pray, pray along with us. We're going to have prayer topics every day for 40 days. And we, we seek breakthrough for the kingdom of God in Troy and the surrounding areas. We seek breakthrough for God in our lives individually and corporately. And we seek the Lord. We seek his face. You know, we are a people, and one of the things that we need to learn to do, one of the things that's most important for us to learn to do is to be able to find God in the secret place. And, you know, my hope is that these emails will, you know, and these prayer topics that we go through for 40 days, this process of fasting, it will bring you to the place where you learn to apprehend God in the secret place. We're talking about the presence of God. How do we get the presence of God? We can have anything we want in the presence of God. Jesus said, until Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, until now you have asked for nothing. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you will ask for whatever you want and God will get, my father will give it to you. This is what Jesus said. How does that work? How does that work? Well, fasting's a key. Fasting's a key. Because what fasting does is, fasting's not like twisting God's arm to get something. Fasting actually twists my arm and brings me into submission to his will. So then I ask for the things that he wants to give me. <laughs> it actually disciplines me. That's the whole point of fasting. It disciplines me. It brings me into alignment with him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, I know I'm going off on a, on a rabbit trail here, but it's necessary this morning. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. These aren't optional as Christians. I'm not a super Christian because I choose to pray or because I choose to fast or because I choose to give. You know, you, m many of us here, myself included, we grew up in a church that didn't, didn't really talk about fasting. And so we get around people that are fasting, we're like, man, these must be super Christians. These must be killer sheep. <laughs> no, no, fasting, <laughs> killer sheep. No, <laughs> this is the green berets of the, of the Christian world. This is the Navy SEAL level stuff, man. You know, no, this is 101. This is like, you know, go run a mile in less than 10 minutes, fast. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's way too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Start there. If you're not fasting, all right, don't think you're going to walk on water if you're not fasting. <laughs> we show up and we're like, miracle signs and wonders, here we go. Nope. <laughs> Have you found God in the secret place? Have you spent hours in prayer and times in fasting? And is the word part of your life? Now you're ready for miracle signs and wonders. Ah, uh, I love my little rabbit trails. You guys are great. 
Membership, we redid membership. It's, it's brand new, except it's still mostly the same. But we want everyone to go through it again. Uh, if you didn't go through it last year in the fall, 2021, we're asking you to go through membership again, whether you've been here as long as, uh, you know, I, uh, Therese Soda. She's been here forever. I saw a paper back here in the back that Pastor Carter had for one of the very first meetings. Her name's on it. So she was here then. She's going to retake membership. We're asking her to retake membership. We're asking everybody to retake membership. Uh, it's a lot of the same stuff. It's just expanded a little bit. So on Saturday, February 25th, we're going to have a one-day class. It's going to be here from 10 to 12. We'll keep it to two hours. It's a teaching format. We give you information. There's a period of time where you can ask questions. We will keep it to two hours. And then if you can't make the one day on Saturday, there will be Sundays, every Sunday in March, the, the 5th, the 12th, the 19th, and the 25th, half-hour classes. We keep those classes to half an hour. You sign up for that. We can only fit about 15 people in on the Sundays because of, of space limitations. Uh, but sign up for that if you want to join that. And uh, we're going to redo membership. We want us all to be on the same page there is an amazing amount of unity here at Redeeming Love. One of the ways that we stay on the same page is that we, re, re, we revisit what it is that we believe and we, we make sure that we're all still on the same page. Nothing's changed foundationally. Uh, I am Pastor Tom's disciple. I learned from him and we've just expanded a little bit, given a little bit more definition to what we want to do. Amen? Amen. Good, 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 job. good job. I know I'm re-hitting some of the announcements here, but it's important for us. Hosting God's presence. Hosting God's presence. Are we a people that are able to host God's presence in our life? We all have homes that we live in, and from time to time we have people over and we host people at our house. My wife and I do this frequently. You know, we set the table, we have a meal, we host people. We have people over. We're, we're going to have a Super Bowl party next week. We're basically hosting people. We're not hosting the party. We're, someone's using our house. We're, we, or no, it's today. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> well, when it's important, you know, you'll remember. <laughs> I like football. It's just the, the importance level has fallen significantly over my life. Go Chiefs. <laughs> I got to get into a little bit of trouble. Ah, oh, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> hosting people. Hosting people. And so we know in the natural how to host people. Hey, do you want to come over my house? We're having a Super Bowl party, and we can watch the game, and we're going to have some pizza and stuff. You know, you should come. It would be great that you come. Right, and people come, and we have the food, and we watch the game, and we cheer together, and we're like, rah, 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 rah. Yay, go team. <laughs> Score the goal unit. <laughs> we know how to host people. Do we know how to host the presence of God in our lives? Do we know how to invite the presence of God into our, into our space, into where we're at, and then do we know how to keep him there? God wants to be with us. 
This was the plan from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, God put man in the garden, and he would walk in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. It was God's original plan, purpose, desire. He wants to be with you. That's his desire. This is his goal. He's like, I want to be with my people. I want to be with them. Sin entered, Adam ate the apple. We blame Adam, even though Eve started the whole thing. You're welcome, husbands. This is what you signed up for. It's your fault. (laughs) Scripturally, it is. It's good stuff. But Jesus came and he fixed it. Bottom line, Jesus came, he died on the cross for your sins and for mine, and he fixed it. So that we can now, whenever we want, whenever we decide to, we can be in God's presence. We can have God's presence where we are. This is our right. This is our privilege. And I'll even say this is our responsibility. We need to be a people that host the presence of God. That have the presence of God living on the inside of us. Washing over us, filling us. We need to be these people. Do we know how to host the presence? Today I'm going to preach a message. It's entitled Move with the Dove in Mind. And this is, a, this is an idea that Bill Johnson talks about. So I, I borrowed the idea from him, uh, but I'm preaching my own message. And it's very scriptural. We're going to look at the scriptures here and we're going to learn what this means to move with the dove in mind. Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John, John the Baptist, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Jesus, the the baptism that John had was a baptism of what? Anybody, yell it out loudly. Repentance. Yes, he baptized in water, but it was a baptism of repentance. Jesus lived a sinless life. So Jesus had nothing to repent of. So why did Jesus go into the waters for baptism? To be obedient to his father. Because the father said, go and do this. Scripture had said for, pre- for years previous, prophecies had said that he would come and he would be baptized. Do this, that, that all righteousness might be fulfilled, another, translation, another uh, gospel says. Jesus answered and said to him now, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for all righteousness, for us to fulfill all righteousness. We're going to fulfill the prophecies when you baptize me. So baptize me. And then John allowed him. Verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When he had been baptized, when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water immediately. And behold, the heavens were opened. The word open there is the same Greek word that's used for when the veil was torn in two. Torn, opened, 
torn. It's the same Greek word that's used for split. The rocks split. So you see this violent act of tearing the veil in two. The veil was thick as a man's hand. They say it would take 10,000 mules pulling in opposite directions to tear the, the, the veil in half. That's how strong it was. So when the veil was torn in two, it was very violent. The rocks split in half at Jesus' crucifixion. This is the same Greek word that's used here for the heavens that are opened. And so I don't believe that we're just, you know, music played, you know, get, get, the, the, the musicians to write some beautiful, you know, string piece while the heavens open. No, it's, it's violent. It's this ripping open. And heaven descends. They saw this. They saw this. I believe it's in John's gospel. John the Baptist says, the one whom the, the spirit descends upon and remains, it's him. And then the next day he sees it. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. It's interesting that they use this term, like a dove. Like a dove. It actually says in, in John's Gospel, in, the, in, the, in a bodily form, like a dove. And so, imagine this. Just picture this. What would you do if you had a dove and it came? Let me open this up. What would you do if you had a dove and it came and it rested on your shoulder? You got a dove on your shoulder. How many of you have ever seen this in the movies, right? The parrot sits on the shoulder. It's a dove. Maybe it's sitting on the head. I'm going to go with the shoulder because that's, I'm just going to go there. How are you going to move now that there's a dove here? You want the dove to stay, right? I want the dove to stay. Do you want the Holy Spirit to stay? I want the Holy Spirit to stay. What am I going to do? How am I going to move? I'm not sure. I've never had a dove on my shoulder before. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to carefully move and be like, you okay with this? You good? And I'm going to keep checking on the dove to see like, you, you good? You good? If I were to do a handspring, the dove's gone. He's flying away. He's not, he's not putting up with that. There, what am I going to do? How am I going to act? How am I going to behave? And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. Our actions, the things that we do, help or dissuade the dove from staying. And so every move that I make, every word that I speak, every thought that I think, I want to be in line with what the, what the dove wants. I want to be in line with what the Holy Spirit wants because I want him to stay. I don't want him to go. I want to do everything that I can so that the Holy Spirit, that the presence of God is here all the time. I don't, I don't want to look at anything that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to look at. I don't want to be anywhere that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be. I don't want to find myself in any situation that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to go be in. And so, honestly, if I find myself there and this is the situation, I'm actually going to remove myself and I'm going to get as far away from possible because I want the dove to stay. This is a priority. Presence of God is a priority in my life. And so I'm going to remove everything from my life that's going to cause the, the, the dove to go. I want the dove to stay. Are we thinking this way throughout our day? Are we 
processing things that happen, the responses of our own person, our own responses to things, are we processing them with the dove in mind? When somebody asks us a question, when somebody tells us a story, when somebody says something to us and we respond back, are we responding with the words that the dove's going to like? I'm not asking whether or not they're going to like my words. I care far less about the person that I'm talking to. I mean, I love you all. (laughs) But I really love the dove. I'm so in love with the dove. I'm in love with the man. (laughs) I'm in love with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It's a side joke. I don't have time. I want the dove to stay. Listen, I've, I think I went through this last week. I can, if I love it, it, my mind just went in six different directions all at once. If I love you more than the dove, then I'm willing to break the rules that the dove's put in place so that I can help you, and that won't be any help at all. The dove loves you more than I love you. And so if I can listen to the dove I can keep the dove, I can maintain the dove, and I can do what the dove says, I'm going to be the best help that I can for you. And so although I love you all, I love the dove more because the dove loves you more than I love you, and I love him, and so together we love you. And it's not that I don't love you, I just love the dove more. I hope I got that right. I hope I got you there. All right, good, good. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we keep the Holy Spirit right here? How do we keep the dove this close? Bible says that the Spirit of God descended upon him. It's interesting when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit descended upon them. It came to rest upon them. And so from the point of salvation, The Holy Spirit's inside you, working and willing for his good pleasure, okay? From the moment of salvation, Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He's there for sanctification. He's there for justification. He's there to help you live the way that that God wants you to live. That Holy Spirit on the inside of you, that's God on the inside of you, that will never leave you, that will never depart from you, that never goes anywhere. I want to be clear. The Holy Spirit never leaves. God never leaves. When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God never went anywhere. It was the sin on Jesus' life that prevented him from sensing the Father's presence in that moment. God was right there. Psalm 139 says, David says, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there with me. There is no place that we can go. There is no way possible that we can possibly separate ourselves from God. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon us, is different. He is in me for me. The Holy Spirit comes upon me for you. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, it's so that we can help others. We want both. I want both. I've got this. That's not going away. And I want to maintain this with every, every ounce of fiber in my being. How do we do it? Ephesians 4, 3. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit 
by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about two points today. We're going to talk about the fact that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And what's the other one? We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, and we can quench the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do either one. Grieving the Holy Spirit is like when you go to a place and you don't like what they're doing. You don't like the music that they're playing. It's, you know, maybe it's sinful. Maybe it's, you know, not your preference, whatever it is. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. It's when you go someplace and you don't like what's going on. You don't like what's going on. For whatever reason, you don't like what's going on. We're going to look at Scripture, and we're going to find out what the Holy Spirit doesn't like here in a moment, what he doesn't like going on. Quenching the Holy Spirit is something different. Quenching the Holy Spirit is when you go to a party, and then you're asked to leave. Which would you rather, which would you rather have? Would you go, rather go to a party that you didn't like where you were, and you were offended by everything that was going on? Or would you rather go to a party where you were asked to leave? It's not a question that we're supposed to answer. You're not, you're not supposed to like either one. Holy Spirit doesn't like either one. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We're not to quench the Holy Spirit. It's a little different when we think of it in terms of ourselves. Holy Spirit's a person. Holy Spirit's not just this cloud like, presence, you know, ooh, nothing. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality, just like the Father, just like the Son. He is a real person. And he comes to dwell on the inside of me, and then he can rest upon me. I want him to rest. I don't want him to go anywhere. Connection was lost. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, put away lying. When we lie, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And so for those of you who think that it's okay to be angry, just hold that thought for a moment. I know that here it says, uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. We're going to read another scripture in a moment that's going to put wrath and anger into a little bit of a different light. Nor give place to the devil. When we give place to anger, we're giving place to the devil. So when you get angry, you're actually giving the enemy a place in your life. We should not become angry. I'll, I'll say it now because we're going to read it again later. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. <laughs> Not only that, go and, get, go and get a job and eat. Don't steal. Go and get a job. Don't steal. So that, not only so that you can eat, but that you'll have enough to give to others. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That's going to limit a lot of it for us. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. James says the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. These big, giant, huge, massive ships, they got this little tiny rudder. And it tells the ship wherever it goes. And the tongue's the same thing. The whole world is set on fire by what we say. 
Be careful of what you say. The Bible says that we will be judged for every idle word. What's an idle word? It's a word that's spoken not in faith. Something's going on. I, this is just something, uh, it's part of who I am. I, I've been this way, I think, since I was little, but um, I've, I've honed in on it a little bit more recently, uh, recently, when I, when I came to the Lord 30 years ago. I don't speak a lot. I mean, I know that that's kind of an oxymoron. I'm a pastor. It's my job to speak up here for an hour every Sunday. But I don't speak a lot. I don't say a lot. I, I have a tendency to hold my tongue. We would be in staff meetings when I was an elder before I became the lead pastor. And we'd go around the table and different people would be saying stuff. And I'd be sitting in the meeting for an hour and I wouldn't say anything. Pastor Tom would have to be like, Pastor Matt, what do you think? I just hold my tongue. Why? Because where words are many, sin is not lacking. And I got to get up here and just say all these words. If we just hold our tongue, if we just refuse to speak, we save ourselves trouble. <laughs> Until you can figure out the right thing to say, don't say anything. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What we say can grieve the Holy Spirit. What we say can grieve the Holy Spirit. We may say something to somebody, we think we're being funny, we're being offensive, and now we've grieved the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. What this is saying is that when we edify someone, we release the grace of God, because you don't have grace, you can't give grace, when we speak edifying words, we release the grace of God for you to accomplish the thing that I've just said that you could do. You're going to be a great dad. Grace just comes and, and allows you to be that great dad. You're going to be a great husband. Grace just comes and allows you to be that great husband. You're going to be a great mom. You're going to be a great wife. You're going to be a great whatever it is that you are, coffee maker, guitar player, everything. You're going to be grace, grace, grace. God's just doling out the grace because I'm saying these words. So don't say what's bad. Say what's good. And impart the grace of God. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. We read that part already. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So if you didn't think that it was okay to be angry, but you're just going to, you know, well, I can't be wrathful, but anger is okay. Or maybe I'll just have like a little bit of malice underneath. Paul kind of covers it all. He's like, anger, wrath, clamor, bitterness, evil speaking, malice. Get rid of all of it. All of it. Be kind to one another. You know what doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit? Kindness doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. Tender-hearted. Be tender-hearted. You know, we have a tendency that when we walk through the world and we get, you know, stepped on and stomped on and people hurt us, we have a tendency to want to callous up our heart and allow our heart to be, you know, walled over. But the Holy Spirit is attracted to tender hearts. Hearts that remain tender. 
regardless of whether or not they get stepped on. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I'm telling you what, I had this revelation recently. Forgiveness is so huge to the Lord. It's so huge. It's so huge. It's so huge. It's bigger than I ever thought it was. It's bigger than I ever gave credit for. It's, it's, it's just, it, think about this. Now, I'm not in any way um, discrediting this by saying this, but think about how, how frequently the Bible tells us not to lust. Any idea? Matthew through Revelation, it's there three times. It's once, there's one occurrence, and it's in the Sermon on the Mount, which we read three times, so it's three times, do not lust. You guys know where it is? It says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart, right? And so there's this one occurrence, it's repeated in three of the Gospels, and so it's three times in the entirety of the New Testament, there's nothing later. In the Old Testament, it tells us don't reveal the nakedness of, you know, anybody, right? So we're not, okay? So I'm not saying that it's not a sin. It's a sin. But how many times did we, did we read it? One time in three occurrences. So we'll say three times. Don't do it. It's bad. What, how, do, how would we rate, if we were rating sin, how would we rate somebody that views pornography on rare occasion? We'd be like, oh, you know, that's bad. That's bad. You know, God's going to have to deal with that person, right? We would all have things to say. I'm not, I'm not saying pornography is okay. It's not okay. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It's not okay. How many times did Jesus say to, that we had to forgive? I don't even know that we can count it. Like, I mean, it's got to be 12 or 18 times in the gospel of Matthew alone. 12... <laughs> Once, three times in, in, in the entirety of the New Testament, 18 times in one book alone. That's not even to mention the other Gospels that are going to repeat it more times in, in 18 occurrences, probably in each one. And then Paul gets into it here again in Ephesians. He gets into it again in Romans. It's in almost every single book. It's in every single chapter. Paul, James talks about it in his epistle. It is the never-ending thing, guys. Yeah, forgive, 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 forgive. Uh, just make a recording. Just play it in your ear. And then there's still those of us who choose not to forgive. And we're like, oh, well, you know, we could consider you for leadership. Not in, no, not in Jesus' book. See, he's got, a different, he's got a different rating than we do. You know, we get so uh, offended. We get so upset over lust sins. And I'm not saying that they're not sins, they're sins. I, we should really be getting upset when we can't forgive I'm not talking about getting upset when someone else can't forgive. Don't get upset over someone else's sin. Get upset when you can't do it. To the point where I have to come to God. I have to get right with Jesus. I have to forgive my brother. I have to forgive my sister. Unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you want the dove to remain? I'm not going to forgive that guy. No dove for you. I'm going, to walk, I'm going to walk in miracle signs and wonders, but I'm not going to forgive. No, you're not. Forgiveness is huge to the Lord. Jesus forgave you of all your sin. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. I mean, I've got a lot of sin. I mean, I don't really do, I'm not, I'm not a huge sinner today, but I mean, although I still have tendencies where, you know, their pride creeps in and I've got to shut that down. I've got to repent for the sin of pride. I've got to repent for the sin of, and so there's, there's still this stuff that I'm dealing with daily and Jesus forgave it all. He forgave it all, all. And one person does one thing to us and we're like, I can't forgive them. Hagen talks about how people that are less, um, less quick to forgive are also less quick to receive their healing. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Quench, it's like, you know, we're putting a fire out. There's a fire repeatedly. John, John the Baptist said, there is another coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. <laughs> the Holy Spirit and fire. Somebody say fire. Fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. And we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can put out the fire. We can stop it from happening. The ability remains in me to stop the Holy Spirit from flowing through this place this morning. The ability remains in you to be able to stop the Holy Spirit to a level from flowing through this place this morning. There's a lot more onus on me as the leader to be able to create a culture in which the Holy Spirit is free to flow compared to somebody who's not in leadership. There's a lot more onus on me. It is my desire that the Holy Spirit has his way every day. Every time we gather, every time.